Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. And of course, as always, I'm your host, John June, and I am uh, recording this on a Friday morning, I guess, technically it's just turned midnight um so y'all are getting this a little bit early uh have to uh travel uh due to some some family stuff so um gonna get a little bit of a different episode from us today uh i I had a guest on with me uh chris robin uh, at detroit beastie of the undroppables uh chris is very knowledgeable dfs guys also one of the um one of my favorite followers on Twitter, man, uh, Chris Robin, definitely does great work. So uh, it was great to have him on, chop it up with him, talk some ball. We talked all things NFL from offseason to free agency to uh, what his favorite moves were, um, you know, draft prospects, all of it. Uh, the Sam Darnold trade. So uh, talked all of that stuff. Um, but pretty much that's all the that's all you're going to get from from me today but you know before I go I got to talk the Sam Darnold trade in the New York Jets um you know Sam the trade of Sam Darnold from the New York Jets to the Carolina Panthers obviously the uh, New York Jets that's the team I root for so a little bit closer to home with that one and Sam Darnold a player that I I've been uh, very high on uh you know obviously over the over the years I uh, think he's very talented, obviously. Just think he got, he got a raw deal here in New York with the Jets. And so the hope is going over to Carolina, playing with running back and Christian McCaffrey, wide receiver DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, that it, it um, you know, it, it's going to be the best set of weapons that he's ever had. So, um, you know, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, uh, two coaches that, identified this guy said they wanted him uh joe brady obviously we saw what he did uh last year in times at times with with teddy bridgewater we saw what he did with joe burrow obviously as well so sam Darnold, whether you think he's good whether you think he's bad um one thing's for sure he's talented so um it's just gonna see if if a coach can get that out of him and luckily this coach is not adam gay so um no i had to throw that in there one time uh, for the last time. So, Sammy boy, adios, brother. Uh, but obviously, this all but locks up Zach Wilson going to the Jets at the number two pick. Um, and, and obviously, that's something that we'll talk about in April when it happens. But uh, from until then, for now, you're going to hear this conversation I had with Chris Robbins. So, thank you, y'all. Uh, really appreciate you listening. As always, you know where to follow me at JR Football Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. You also know where to follow uh, the show at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram. And then obviously, you know where to go follow Greg at We underscore Made It on Instagram. And go be sh- go be sure to uh, follow Chris Robin at Detroit Beastie on Twitter. And uh, all right, y'all, get into this interview and have a good one. So my next guest is a guy like I know very well. Uh, 
huge fan of his work and he's just a, a great follow on Twitter and a, a great guy to, to know. Uh, that's Chris Robin, or as we know him on Twitter at Detroit Beastie. Chris, thank you for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I'm always free uh, whenever you reach out. And I know we shared those pleasantries in the DMs. But, you know, people just think, you know, uh, two people just bump into each other at the mall and then, bam, they're on a broadcast together. There's a lot of, you know, uh, planning that goes into this on your part. And so, again, when you reached out, uh, I, I jumped with anything you need, John, and I'm always free for you. Yeah, man, and I definitely appreciate that, Chris. And, and you know, you're the you were the perfect guy to have come on this week, um, just because. To be honest, you know, we're at the, we're kind of in that in that dead zone. All these pro days have happened, and all and there's only so many ways we can just keep re-ranking these rookies. Uh, so, you know, we kind of just want the draft to get here. We we want to continue to you know work towards the football season and see how these teams are shaping up as the season starts. So I thought it'd be perfect to bring you on here. And we just talked through a bunch of different stuff pertaining to the NFL and pertaining to uh, what's going, what's, what's transpired already and what could transpire. So with that being said, Chris, first question I'm going to ask you here today, which teams off season, are you the biggest fan of, uh, you know, whether it be a coaching change a trade free agent addition, whatever it may be, Chris, which, which teams off season, are you are you really well, high to on? me? There, there's so many, you know, I, I say so many, but, you know, that's just kind of a, like an opening thing. But what New England did was it was shocking. It, it kind of not only me, but everybody else around both professionally. And if you podcast or even if you're in your mom's basement writing, whatever you're doing, it took everybody by surprise what New England did, because normally uh, they, they don't act that way. Belichick is a very hard nosed guy. He, uh, you know, kind of builds through the draft just pull plucks these gems or diamonds in the rough but uh you know what new england did was fantastic just they added so many people so fast and it was kind of like a lightning round it's you know like uh during the football season, you know, fantasy football season, you know, waivers clear like Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. And what they did reminded me of my fantasy football team. You know, I have like 17 different ads I want to do and I'm <laughs> jostling my roster around. I'm trying to fix it. But New England did that uh, in, in real time. Uh, second, if I may, real quick, I, I love what, what the Rams and the Lions did. They swapped out uh, Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford and the Lions finally, uh, you know, let Matthew Stafford go after 11 seasons here. And I've said this on so many other broadcasts, you know, Stafford poured out his heart and soul here to Detroit and they failed him, blah, blah, blah. So him going to LA, who's in a win now kind of mode uh, is fantastic all around. I'm happy for Stafford, but again, I'm happy to get golf back. I've been a golf fan for a while. And if I'm not mistaken, John, there was times during the season early on, it was you, me and, and Kevin, you know, at Du Bois and everybody just dislikes Jared golf and you know mm -hmm. Kevin Kevin dislikes golf and I've always liked golf so for him to be here in Detroit to be the quarterback of the Lions it's exciting to me hopefully they can use him for a couple seasons and and, and build elsewhere but the most important one to me that it, it's just kind of a one and done thing the Colts acquiring Carson Wentz from the Eagles that was another shocking one, and I, I mean, you're you're. I would like to think we're all plugged in, but for some odd reason, you're a you're a uh, you know a, a Jets guy. You're on the East Coast, and so you're kind of <laughs> plugged in. Although the Jets are in the AFC East, and the uh, Eagles are in the NFC East, but it's still kind of in the same area. I mean, it's a, a yeah, few yeah. hundred miles apart from each other, and we saw it coming. 
last season when when Wentz just didn't look right. He was off, and then they you know give the ball to Hurts, and we saw it coming. It, it took a lot longer than we thought, but uh, Carson Wentz is in in Indianapolis now, and I think that's going to be a match made in heaven. And again, it, for fantasy purposes, uh, if you want to go out and acquire Wentz, I think it's it's still open. The window is still open to grab Carson Wentz. I wouldn't wait much longer, especially after the draft, if they you know put some some good offensive skill position pieces around him. So uh, again, in order, I, I guess I can recap it for you, John, but it would be Wentz to um, Indianapolis and then the swap for golf and in uh, Stafford and then what New England did. So let's start at the bottom with New England. Um, or is New England the top? You said Wentz is first, yeah. right? So then, so yeah, okay. So let's start at the bottom with New England. Uh Obviously, yeah, like you said, they, they almost transformed their roster overnight. And what they also did after drafting two tight ends uh, in the fourth round last year, um, they come around this year um, and they they signed two tight ends to uh, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith to deals over 12 and over $12 million, investing some significant money there at the tight end position, basically admitting the mistake that they made in, in essentially drafting these two guys the year before. But which of these two tight ends do you think will have the most fantasy and impact? Well, I'm I'm a big fan of both guys, and I know you know that's how can I put it? It's like the you know uh, cereal, or I don't even know what the saying is. It's like a sun, everything sunshine and rainbows. But uh, I'm telling you now, everything I'm not all sunshine and rainbows. But to answer your question more more importantly, you know John knew everybody you know was on him, and again, everybody in the league people are on, especially if you're on uh, social media, fantasy football, Facebook, Twitter. It can get awful. It's toxic. You know, you're getting you know negligent advice from you know questionable people, and you know. Janu is a good a good tight end. I think he's going to do well there. But to me, Hunter Henry is the more exciting addition in New England. You know, the fact that he left the Chargers and that relationship of the growth he could do for, with, uh, excuse me, with Justin Herbert and him together it would have been magical, but it just wasn't meant to be. So Hunter Henry going to New England, I think, is going to be fantastic from a like a personnel kind of thing. Hunter Henry is no... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Hunter Henry is no blocking and, and getting in someone's face, you know, a, a blitzing linebacker, something along those lines. And again, he's fantastic, you know, out on the field, in the in the middle of the field, down the sideline. Uh, guy has I don't even know how old he is. The cows just call him a kid. Most most of these people are older than I am. But uh, Hunter Henry, to me, is the guy to pay attention to in terms of tight ends. We know, you know, all the top ones, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, and all those. But nobody really talks about a guy like like Hunter Henry or even Janu uh, for that for that sake. But to me, Hunter Henry is the is the better addition there. And again, it, it's going to be. You know, it's it's what April eighth. I mean, the draft is a couple weeks away. That the draft is going to be the you know very telling what what every team does here. And I'd be hard pressed to think that New England isn't going to target a, a quarterback in the first round. That's still iffy, but somewhere in this draft, they're going to draft a, a quarterback. And I think they would do well to to you know draft a kid with their first round pick. I think they would do well swapping it out with, with San Francisco. Get on the horn and get the third overall pick, and then you're good. You sign Cam Newton, not a ton of money, just one more year here. But to me, 
Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry would do better with a with a quarterback, you know, from day one. They can all learn and grow together than instead of just, you know, kind of Cam Newton in the twilight of his career where, you know, it's just next 2021 that like that's it after that these guys are going to have to deal with another quarterback so quit the quit with the nonsense just get a young kid in there now and start start from scratch again i know bill belichick can do it he's got it in him yeah i mean to that point you know there's also been talk of new england potentially going up to four with the atlanta falcons and potentially getting justin fields if the if this the san francisco 49ers do in fact take mac jones which has been Widely speculated, but again, it's April 8th. Nobody has any idea what is happening uh, in the NFL draft, which is 21 days away. Um, so, you know, you talked about Jared Goff and, and Matthew Stafford. I, I definitely agree with you. I think Jared Goff is undervalued right now at this point. Um, but who would you rather have between Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, who is, you know, you said Wentz is, uh, you know, Wentz going to Indianapolis, the top move in your yeah. book. So between these two guys, which of these guys? Are now this one's have? tough. And I like s- since day one, and when I say day one, I mean like my writing and my broadcasting and all my DFS, everybody on earth knows that I'm in Detroit, born and raised here. I'm a Lions fan, but I never let that cloud my judgment in terms of, of my content and my broadcasting. Cause the moment you know, you get labeled a homer, there goes your respect. Your dignity is gone. There's no respect. And you're just known as, you know, the homer guy. I'd be known as the the Detroit Lions guy. And that'd be it. I'd be stuck where I am spinning my wheels and it wouldn't be fun. So uh, although I, I do kind of favor Jared Goff, it's, it, that's the homer in me. And again, to be open and honest with you and, and, and everybody that's listening, it's Carson Wentz. You'd be a fool to to choose Jared Goff over Carson Wentz, given you know the the personnel. Uh, if you compare the Detroit Lions offense from from top to bottom, offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, the uh, offensive coordinator, and then you look at what the Colts have going on. The Colts, uh, this is no secret, John. The Colts have by far and away the better offense from top to bottom. Their offensive line is top notch. They have what looks to be one of the best young uh, running backs in the game right now. I'm not saying DeAndre Swift uh, can't get there, but as it stands right now, of the two, it's pretty clear people would prefer Jonathan Taylor, and that's fine. And if you look at the wide receivers really quick, you know, T.Y. Hilton came back. He's kind of like a weekend at Bernie's. you got to hold him up. He's a corpse, whatever. But Michael Pittman Jr. is someone that that I'm targeting. Michael Pittman Jr. is very interesting to me. Uh, if, If the Colts could, you know, somehow uh, cultivate a tight end in this offense aside from Jack Doyle or even Mo Ali Cox is interesting, but I'm saying like a high end caliber tight end, this offense would be nearly perfect in my eyes. So Carson Wentz, knowing, knowing what he can do, he's put up, you know, four, 5,000 yard seasons. If I'm not mistaken, he was in the running for an MVP a couple years ago, tore up his knee. We all know how that went. Uh, Foles won a Super Bowl and blah, signed for big money elsewhere. Anyways. So Carson Wentz has it in him. He, for some odd reason, he has the yips. What happened in Philadelphia last season, uh, it, it was, it was awful. It was uncomfortable and it, it was very cringy. Uh, if you agree with me, John, like something was wasn't right there, mm-hmm. and I I I I believe that it was a, a mix of Wentz, but it, it it fell predominantly on Doug Peterson, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. He had no idea what he was doing. He was 
all over his head. He he kind of screwed up the the momentum and he screwed up the development of some players. And Carson Wentz was one of them. Carson Wentz just completely lacked confidence last year. And it's something that, that can be easily be brought back in the change of scenery. Wentz going from Philadelphia, where he's probably sulking and bummed out in the, you know, in the locker room and team meetings. He just he didn't want to be there. Kind of, I assume he acted like a baby and went, yeah, I want to be here and you're going to give it, you know, talking that way. But Carson Wentz going to Indianapolis is going to be good for both his mind frame mindset and his confidence. So to me, of the two, uh, I'd prefer Carson Wentz. And again, not 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 a slight at Jared Goff, uh, but long term, I would prefer Carson Wentz. Yeah, no, I, I think I would agree with that sentiment as well. I mean, uh, you know, there is an age gap between the two. I think Wentz is twenty seven, Goff is twenty five. So, uh, but quarterbacks, you know, that two year gap, two quarterbacks, and you know in the 25, 27 range and aren't even 30 yet. That's an eternity from now. So um, once, you know, having the, he, we know he has all the physical ability in the world. We know he has talent, right? Yeah. Evidenced by the MVP caliber season that he, that you referenced from a couple of years ago. Right. So once going to a situation with Frank Reich, where we know he'll be comfortable, um, he'll be in a, with a coach that he trusts, you know, there was reports that there were times, uh, you know, halfway through the season to, towards the end of the season that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson weren't even yeah. speaking to one another. So I don't know how they, you could you would expect a functioning relationship between those two in an environment like 100%. that. hundred percent. And again, yeah, Doug Peterson, to me, just the eye test. Like, I don't know anybody in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. I, I had no source. I had no hot tip in the locker room. You could just tell Doug Peterson was out of his mind. He really had no idea uh, what he was doing. And we kind of saw that the last few games of the season when he pulled uh, Jalen. Remember that at the end of the season, he pulled Jalen Hurts yeah. and it messed with their <laughs> draft selections. But so far, so good. They made it right with 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 the selections and in trading, you know, out of the top 10 and whatever they're they're doing here. So, again. What, what Philadelphia and Doug Peterson are doing, is it's none of my business. Uh, it makes for good uh, TV. It makes for good broadcasting here. But uh, Carson Wentz is going to be fantastic. And I think he finds he finds his footing and he gets his wits about him uh, in Indianapolis. And it's going to be it's going to be fantastic to see that that grow, uh, you know, right before our eyes, week to week, hour to hour kind of thing during the, the offseason OTAs. And hopefully there's a preseason this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Doug Peterson left you scratching your head in season, Chris. Which of these teams left you scratching your head this off season? With maybe oh, to me, this this isn't head. really close. And uh, maybe I'm a little bit partial to the NFC North because of my Detroit roots here. But it's the Chicago Bears. Uh, you the, the the first move that was kind of I, I don't want to say it was dumbfounding, but they they tagged Allen Robinson. That's all well and good because you can like the Lions were supposedly going to tag Kenny G. You know, tag and trade. We tag him and then we trade him away. We get something back instead of letting. Letting, you know, a, a very important piece of our offense just walk for nothing. But the Lions did that, whatever. But in, in Chicago, they tag Allen Robinson after, uh, if I remember correctly, Allen Robinson for the last, you know, few months prior to, to you know, the offseason, he just wasn't happy there. And he was kind of, you know, conveying his his displeasure and what the heck are we doing here? And they franchise tag him and, and 
to Allen Robinson credit, he says, you know what, you know, screw it. I'll sign the money. It was big time money. It was, you know, uh, uh, what was it? 12, $13 million one season. That yeah. might've been $18 million for the, uh, for the, yeah, for the and again, back, you'd be that. a fool to turn that mon- that kind of money down. Can you imagine if someone you know contacted you or me and said, "Hey, uh, I- I'd settle for twenty thousand, <laughs> right? You know, we'll give you twenty thousand uh, dollars a year uh, just to broadcast for us. We'll give you thirty thousand just to write articles in season. That'd be without a doubt. I, I would <laughs> I would slice my own finger open and sign the contract in blood. I'd be so serious here. But so so they tag <laughs> Allen Robinson. That's fine. And then for for a few weeks, maybe even a month, the back and forth between uh, what quarterback's coming in. They let Mitchell Trubisky went to Buffalo. He's going to back up Josh Allen. He's in a fantastic situation. Boom, in a blink of an eye, you know, swish of the pen and bam he's he's in a great situation in buffalo and then uh, the russell wilson talk goes back and forth back and forth everybody in chicago was like oh my god this is going to be fantastic like Jemo or nick at p2w they're big chicago fans we're all friends and they were they were loving it and it was an interesting time and then uh no we signed andy dalton as our qb1 i mean that left me you know I, I was stunned i'm like what the heck why would you bring in andy dalton as your quarterback one who again i believe got 10 or 12 million dollars this season just a one one year deal but you go from it, it, I, I equate it to like you know like a kid at, at christmas right so all the chicago fans you know they're asking for a red rider bb gun right like the movie and uh, all year you're uh, you know all <laughs> all season you're like i'm getting a red rider bb gun and, and you go from there and then christmas day you open up like a 25 cent water pistol from the grocery store quarter machine and you're like <laughs> This wasn't what you, and then it just completely demoralizes you. You don't know what you, now you're embarrassed because of everything you said, you know, leading up to this and you're left with Andy Dalton. And uh, again, I, I got nothing wrong about Andy Dalton. I like the guy. He seems like a good man. Never met him, whatever family guy married, whatever. But you go from, you know, Russell Wilson, who is a, a, a top five for surely a top 10 quarterback to Andy Dalton, who's basically, uh, he what is he he's he's more he's better suited as a backup to to like a stud where if you need him for a game or two he can come in he's not going to just destroy things he's going to do okay but to give him money to be your QB1 uh is showing that Chicago the Bears, they're really not taking the serious. What what do they know that we don't know? Are they just kind of saying, well, we have a couple pieces. We're not really going to be competitive for the next few seasons. Uh, so we'll just sign Andy Dalton and he'll be the placeholder for a couple years. But that doesn't seem right. The Chicago Bears have never been that kind of organization that would admit defeat or say, you know what, uh, we're awful and we're just going to rebuild. It's like they realistically signed Andy Dalton and thinks they're going to be in the running for the NFC North uh, title. And I, I'm just telling you, that's not going to happen as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback in Green Bay. So Chicago's done a few things that's that, that's been shocking to me. Again, uh, if we revisit this, uh, you know, this time next month, I could be completely shocked and embarrassed by what I said now. You know, lo and behold, Chicago kills the draft and they get everything right. And Andy Dalton isn't their QB1. They draft, you know, Trask or who knows? Who knows what they do? But as it stands right now, the Chicago Bears have me scratching my head. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair, man. Andy Dalton, uh, a, a medium upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. I mean, if anything, he's 
he's less volatile than a Mitch Trubisky. You 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 know what you're gonna get. He's not gonna ruin it for you, but he's not gonna he's not gonna win the day for you either. Um, so you know the the Bears. It seems like they settled for a redheaded quarterback in Andy Dalton. They did not make the move for another redheaded quarterback that I know very well in Sam Darnold. Um, We watched him get shipped from New York to Carolina in anticipation of the New York Jets selecting a quarterback. Uh, You know, if you, depending on who you ask, most people will tell you Zach Wilson uh, with the second pick in the draft. That's why we expected to be the pick. But uh, what did you make of the trade? Uh, for both Carolina as well as, you know, the potential, um, you know, the potential of Zach Wilson or even maybe even a Justin Fields. Being yeah, a uh, I mean, of Texas course, too. I have an opinion. I'll say a few things, but realistically, uh, that it should be me asking you this question as the as the Jets guy here on the broadcast. But uh, <laughs> I've always held Sam Darnold in, in high regard. I've always liked the kid. Uh, he has it in him. He's going to be OK uh, in Carolina. I love it. I love it for Carolina. Kind of a bummer for Teddy Bridgewater. But, you know, you have Sam Darnold. 23 years. You know, I don't have to bore you with that, John. If anybody on this earth knows about Darnold and the Jets, it's you. But Darnold has the potential. But for some odd reason, you know, the Lions, the Cleveland Browns and the Jets, even the Cincinnati Bengals, to some extent, they're always kind of lumped in into that foursome of just making awful decisions. They they're ne- they never really win. And it, they're, they're a product of the crappy, you know, head coaches and they're the product of crappy, uh, you know, front office decisions and draft picks and free agencies. Let this guy walk and sign this. Like they're always making the wrong decisions in my eyes. So, uh, he was just he was going to waste away in New York. And this is Sam Darnold. Uh, he's still he, he's so young. He's, it's not like we're talking about Sam Darnold, who is, you know, 29, 30 years old. And we're hoping he, he you know, he has enough left in the tank for one good season, let alone two kids. Twenty three. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this, too. You know, the hours after the trade was announced, he threw a party with his girlfriend, all his friends. Like you can tell that Sam Darnold uh, is excited. He's going. Not, I'm not. Not saying that he he wasn't giving it his all in New York. Uh, nobody really looked at him as their franchise quarterback. He was just kind of a guy who happened to be their starting quarterback. But going to to Carolina, he's going to be their QB one, and it, it it very much helps that you have Christian McCaffrey behind you to hand the ball to, or you can swing pass with him. DJ Moore, who I have for close to 1,300 receiving yards this next season. I mean, Sam Darnold is is put in a situation where he's going to have every opportunity to really become a a professional quarterback. And by professional quarterback, I mean uh, a a very good uh, quarterback and someone that everybody is talking about that knows what he's doing. He doesn't put the team behind the eight ball. He's, you know, always moving forward, doing the next right thing. So the, the him going to uh, Carolina is it's unbelievable. I love it. I bought him the other day in my, in a dynasty league for, you know, like a third round pick and that's fine. He's, he's going to be my, my uh, quarterback too behind Jalen Hurts. So uh, now the jets are left uh, kind of holding their hat, but only for what a couple weeks until uh, draft day. They'll have the second overall pick more than likely. It will be uh, Zach Wilson. I'd like to think 
um, after Justin Fields pro day, it kind of, it maybe put a couple bugs in their ear. Like maybe we should, we got to have to take an honest look at, at Justin Fields, but it could just be the classic so. case of uh, even before Justin Fields uh, pro day, they were sold. They were all in uh, on Zach Wilson, regardless of what, you know, uh, back Jones or Justin Fields did at their pro day. They were all in on Zach Wilson. And I've always, I've been a, a big Zach Wilson guy too. Uh, not, I didn't really catch many BYU games here in Michigan, but that's what YouTube is for your, you know, Yahoo sports. You can watch that stuff. Uh, Zach Wilson has the talent. He's built like a professional quarterback, six foot three, 210 pounds. He has, you know, a, a rifle of an arm. We saw that at, at his pro day. We saw that in regular season games at, at BYU. Zach Wilson has all the makings of a very good long-term, uh, you know, high-end caliber starting quarterback. But again, he's going to, let, let's just say he does get drafted by New York. Well, what the heck are we going to do, do there now? They kind of, you know, let as we know they let Sam Darnold fall by the wayside and I, I I was in conversation with somebody on social media a few days ago and he said that if you if you do the math of every every player that's played quarterback for the Jets for the last you know 10 or 15 years they switch quarterbacks every 2.6 seasons so two full seasons and then six games you're that that kind of turnover at such a an important position for a football team that's that's a blueprint for failure you can't do that so uh, I I wish Zach Wilson the best in New York if it's him if it's Justin Fields I wish you and I wish <laughs> the New York Jet fans in general nothing but luck and hopefully uh, talk about another team like the Lions who had a full, uh, you know, personnel and regime change front office and, and, and head coach and all that. Robert, Robert Salehi, who has ties to, to Michigan here. Uh, I, I hope and I pray that everything is going to be different for the Jets this time around. And it's going to start uh, at the end of this month when they select their, their franchise quarterback second overall, whether it's Wilson or whether it's Fields. Yeah, totally agree with, with all your points there. Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Jets fan, uh, as crazy as it might sound, not all Jets fans are, are uh, Sam Darnold fans these days. Uh, but I, I am a huge fan of Sam Darnold, as you mentioned. I think he's extremely talented. Uh, I, I just don't think he got a fair shake here with the New York Jets. And, and uh, again, not all of it his fault, not all of it, uh, you know, the team's fault, but most of it definitely the team's fault. Um, you know, but to that point, going to a situation in Carolina, DJ Moore, yeah. Bobby Anderson, who's a, who's a familiar target for him, uh, Christian McCaffrey out the backfield, this is going to be the best offensive situation he's ever been in, uh, going to uh, offensive coordinator and Joe Brady, who we all think, you know, I, I mean, the, the football community thinks very highly of, um, and, and then Matt Rule, who's a coach that almost took the Jets job two years ago when, when they decided to hire Adam Gase because they wouldn't let Matt Rule pick his staff. Uh, so Matt Rule, you know, deciding, you know, he almost took the Jets job two years ago, a lot of that for Sam Darnold, uh, and is now handpicked Sam Darnold to be uh, at least his quarterback for now. So uh, definitely like like the deal. I, you know, I definitely yeah. uh, would buy Darnold if I, if I needed help at quarterback. Um, but to your point with the Jets, you know, you're right. You know, it has been rough developing quarterbacks. You know, I've, I've watched uh, from, you know, from uh, Sam Darnold to Geno Smith to Mark Sanchez. Uh, I've, you know, I, I, Chad Pennington. 
Um, you know, I've pretty much seen it all at this point. Um, so, you know, what happens here with Zach Wilson, you know, under normal circumstances, I would, I would definitely uh, be concerned, but, you know, Joe Douglas, uh, Robert, Robert Sala, as you mentioned, and, and Matt, you know, uh, Mike LaFleur coming over from San Francisco along, you know, bringing that Shanahan system, uh, definitely excited for, uh, whichever quarterback does take the reins. But as you said, definitely holding my breath, uh, as I've seen it go wrong, a quarterback who it did not go wrong for. And I have to commend you here for this, Chris, because I remember being on a live stream last year. Uh, it was with Chris Pinto. And it was one of the first live streams. I remember, actually, yes. the very first live stream I had ever done. And they asked about a league winner. Uh, and here I was thinking, hey, Cam Newton, he's going to be a league winner. And it seemed that way for the first three weeks of the season. But you dropped a name that, was probably at the time because yes. we did this live stream in August. Uh, and so this guy hadn't even been like sniffing starting reps at the point, at that point in time, or a possibility of even being a starter. But you said Justin Herbert Correct. would be a league winner in 2020. So what, what did you see in Justin Herbert uh, that made you think that he was going to take the job on, on, under, there? yeah, uh, under I mean, awful circumstances. No I, I, you know, I don't day. wish, I don't wish injury awful or ill will on anybody, sure. but it, it just happened to be that way. And I'm a big no, uh, proponent on things happen how they're supposed to uh, be patient and let, you know, let it happen around you. We, we all see, we, excuse me, we all face, you know, a thousand different opportunities a day. It's just up to us as human beings to see those said moments and kind of, you know, grab hold of it and run with it. In terms of uh, what what I saw in Justin Herbert, uh, it was his fire, his passion, and it, it sure helped that he had like a cannon. He had a rocket for an arm, and being put in that situation by all means, you know, on paper last season, it didn't. It, nothing stood out to you. You know, Keenan Allen is is fantastic. He's a, just quietly a PPR monster, kind of a top 10, top 12 wide receiver year in and year out the last, you know, four or five seasons. You know, Austin Eckler is a, is a quarterback's best friend. You know, when you have a running back who you can, you know, who can get 200 carries in a season and then, you know, back that up with, you know, 60, 70 plus uh, receptions, that's going to help a young quarterback kind of, you know, blossom. You know, they always say you know the the first portion of the game it's all nerves it's all butterflies until you get hit for the first time and then after you get hit bam you're off and running well Justin Herbert uh it, you know, being able to fall back on Austin Eckler at the beginning of the season, he was hurt, unfortunately, Austin Eckler. Then he came back later in the season. So uh, I just saw a, a guy, a kid, a kid in Justin Herbert who uh, was humble. He was about his business. He minds his business and he's just here to do a job. And all these guys, their job is to play football, train and practice like it's like it's a, a real life game situation. And I never saw anything from Justin Herbert personally that would lead me to believe that he was going to be uh you know it, it, an issue or a liability off this off the uh you know excuse me off the uh, practice field or uh away from games like getting in trouble at bars or casinos whatever justin herbert is a high character kid and he again loves you know playing quarterback and he's just like a sponge soaking in all the information you know working routes with other receivers and all that so justin herbert to me was a dark horse uh, this time last season. Again, as you said, I just give me a random guy. And it, 
was Justin Herbert for everything I just stated. And again, uh, going into his sophomore season in the NFL, I'm expecting nothing but another massive leap into superstardom. And again, what I'm saying is it's not ground shaking or earth shattering. It's not profound. We all expect Justin Herbert to be a superstar. Therefore it will happen. We have to kind of speak that stuff into existence from a certain uh, extent, but uh, I'm very excited about Justin Herbert and his long-term prospects, especially uh, if, if the chargers go, you know, offensive skill position early uh, in this draft where they can grab, uh, you know, who knows Waddle, Terrence Marshall, Elijah Moore, whatever they can do, Kenny Gainwell. I don't know, but if, if they can, they're, they're going to do everything in, within their power, John, to kind of uh, help him, you know, get better and learn more. And you do that by surrounding, you, you know, your, your stud young quarterback with dangerous offensive talent. And as it stands right now, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are, are two pretty good guys to help, uh, you know, nudge him along here. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, Herbert was somebody that was super interesting for me personally because you want you, you you know you you just if you were to draw up a quarterback you know they'd probably be about six six probably be about two thirty they'd probably run somewhere around a, a sub four six yes uh, and that's Justin Herbert and so uh, you know Justin Herbert has all the physical tools I know. There were times when I watched him in college. I, I know one game specifically, the Auburn game, and he looked undraftable based off that game. But Justin Herbert taught me something, and it was, you know, don't look at so much at what a player can do or can't do as much as what he's being asked to do, especially in college. And Justin Herbert, I don't think, was put in a position that really uh, matched his skill set. And so we saw him unleashed in the NFL with NFL caliber type players. And even when he had players that were undrafted free agents or guys that, you know, we, we in the fantasy community call no names, um, he was still finding success. And so he just showed that superstar ability. And so, you know, I quickly, as soon as, you know, that first start happened against Kansas city was instantly a guy that, uh, myself and my co-host Greg Penniman, we were pounding the table for really hard because you could just see it. You know, this guy did not flinch in a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, and you alluded to it a little bit. But I want you, if you could, just please expound on it some more. What do you think the ceiling could be for Justin Herbert in year two? You know, Correct. in what we expect to be a, a more high-tempo offense with Joe Lombardi coming from the New Orleans Saints as the offensive coordinator following new head coach Brandon Staley, who was a defensive coordinator with the Rams. But what are you expecting from a ceiling for Herbert in year two? And I'll, I'll give it to you straight. I've been, you know, slowly working on uh, not, not rankings, but, projections for each player heading into the season it just started you know and in my dynasty league it's very active and you know everybody knows you know what I do with the reading the writing the playing DFS and they so I've been slowly giving my league you know personal 
uh, projections based on their teams. And one of them that I did was Justin Herbert here. So uh, hang with me here. And this is realistic to me. Uh, about 600, you know, pass attempts. He'll complete around 390, 400 of them. But where, where it shows really well is I have him for close to 4,500 uh, passing yards with about 28 to 30 passing mm-hmm. touchdowns and then add in another four or five on the ground in addition to, you know, 200, 220 rushing yards here. So at that, at that rate, you're looking at, you know, let me, you know, crunch the, excuse me, crunch the numbers right here while I have everything in front of me, front of me, excuse me, but you're looking at easily a a, a top 10 quarterback in any and all formats, six points for a passing touchdown, four points for a passing touchdown, whatever it may be. Uh, I have Herbert firmly in my top 10 at, uh, at quarterbacks, not only for this season, but many uh, seasons in advance. I have him right at nine, right between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, who is at seven and Russell Wilson is at 10. So Herbert, uh, his ceiling is, is uh, unbelievably fantastic. I've never been big into, you know, player comps, as they say, player comparisons. But who's to say, uh, you know, given if, if things, you know, click and just work out well and the stars align, you're looking at a, at a season kind of like what Josh Allen did last year. And again, I'm not comparing the two. They're in their own uh they're in their own atmosphere, but Josh Allen is a stud. And I believe that Justin Herbert is going to be right behind Josh Allen in terms of production for the, the length of both of their careers. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that you're off base at all comparing the yeah. two. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of NFL comparisons, but I, I've compared the two for sure between with Herbert and Allen, uh, you know, just the, the, their, their play style and, and uh, I think Herbert obviously uh, has, you know, he's a little bit more cleaned up as a as a passer of the football than Josh Allen was when he when he was a rookie. But uh, Allen obviously showed major improvement there. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I I think very highly of Herbert. I haven't I haven't done my projections yet or my rankings, um, but I w- I would imagine that I would I would definitely have Herbert in my top ten. Um, and even if I'm, even if I only have him in my top 10, I'm drafting him probably a little bit higher than that because that's how highly I think of the player. Um, but let's talk about this upcoming quarterback class. You know, we've seen all this movement at the top of the draft. Um, you know, obviously the San Francisco 49ers recently moved from 12 all the way to three, uh, and and they gave up two first round picks. We usually don't do that unless you're coming up to get a quarterback, uh, we as well assumed that Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick. Uh, we've already, you and I both agree that yes. Zach Wilson most likely the number two pick. Um, but which of these quarterbacks? Well, here, are, here's are my thing. So about? it's it's written in stone, just like the like Moses did with the Ten Commandments. Trevor Lawrence will be drafted first overall to the Jacksonville Drag Jaguars. Excuse me. And uh, again, I, I'm not alone in, in saying this, but Trevor Lawrence is going to hit the ground running and instantly be good. He's instantly going to be talked about, you know, as a top. 15 quarterback and that's being very you know very light he has all the workings to be a top 10 guy and I believe you know that he will get there and then you look at uh you know Zach Wilson who we we talked about you know briefly uh Justin Fields is another guy who uh I'd be shocked if you know San Francisco didn't draft you know Mac Jones or 
Justin Fields if they're there, and they both will be if everything goes, you know, as planned here. So uh, of the quarterbacks, you know, there's there's so many different ways to go in terms of rankings and projections because none of them have a team yet. Nobody was drafted, and they're just they're just kind of sitting in limbo right now while we, you know, yell at each other, be rude to each other, talk my opinions better than yours here. But uh, uh, just one guy uh, out of the blue that I think, you know, could have an, an, an impact long term for a for an NFL franchise would be Kyle Trask. People don't talk about him. He's just big framed. Uh he he doesn't do well though, Kyle Trask. He doesn't do well with uh improvisation, right? So after his first read or two, you know, does he panic and throw the ball away or does he make an ill-advised throw here? But Kyle Trask is going to be interesting to me. And again, I know they always say draft the or excuse me, scout the player, not the helmet. But again, a lot of these kids and especially Trask, it's going to be you know, team dependent. Where does he go? Is he going to be sitting and learning for a season or two? Are they just going to throw him to the wolves and watch him flame out really quick? Uh, we don't know. But to me, I, I have my eye on Kyle Trask in terms of of quarterbacks that I like out of this class. It's, yeah, it's it's great that you you know you said that he doesn't. Uh, Kyle Trask doesn't do great with improvisational skills. And then you mentioned Scott, the quarterback, not the helmet, which is perfect because I know we said we don't, you know, we, you and I both don't like comps, but I've got an sure. interesting comp here for Kyle Trask. And let me know what you think. It's like Jared oh boy. Uh, well, meets Tim Tebow. Let, let's unpack. It's a lot to take in. I'm, I'm processing <laughs> it as I speak at the same time. So, uh, Jared, you said Jared Goff and Tim Tebow. Well, I mean, that's not awful. Jared Goff started in the Super Bowl. Tim Tebow uh, won a playoff game, his first playoff game ever for Denver. He won it. So I guess you could do you could do worse, right? So because Tim Tebow has the heart of a lion. He's a good man. He doesn't give up, and that bodes well for you know his his recently ended baseball career. He retired, and then Jared Goff is still very young. And people they put Jared Goff down saying uh, his deep ball isn't good, or he doesn't have that big of an arm. Uh, he's better, you know. 20 the the 20 in between 20s excuse me and center of the field and everything but that's fine as long as you're able to get the job done you know at the end of everything you and I and other fantasy players, we're the only ones that really care about their statistical, you know, output in real life football. That doesn't, you know, padding your stats doesn't really matter. Can you get the job done on the field? Can you be a leader? If we draft you uh, in such a high, uh, position you have massive uh draft capital and we're going to do everything uh that to so that you can succeed yeah and it's funny because i i said i say jared goff meets tim tebow for kyle trask because he, he is big uh at uh at six foot five 240 pounds um but he doesn't have the improvisational skills kind of like Jared Goff, where if that play, if that receiver is not open or, uh, you know, the, the defensive tackle or the defensive end got in, got through the line on a, on a quick stunt or, or something like that, or there's quick pressure, uh, it's kind of going to be over there. It's going to be over for Jared Goff, same way with Kyle Trask. Um, so 
I guess which of these quarterbacks? That's a great question. And so you could go a million different ways with this. I mean, how can you uh, put down what Trevor Lawrence can do or put down uh, what he's going to do in the NFL? Uh, I'm down, you know, just because he's a he's a kind of a uh, hot button issue. And that's, you know, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields Uh, leading up to his pro day. And then, you know, even after the pro day, it was always about uh, Justin Fields is he's a one read, he's a one read guy. That's all he does. He knows, you know, the first read very well and where the, the, the wide receivers are going to be. And then after that, uh, he's like a deer in the headlights. He doesn't know, but again, the kid has wheels. What was this 40 time 4.4 uh, that will bode well for him at, at the next level. And I, I'm not, I don't subscribe to, you know, all that nonsense where it, Justin Fields is a one read, you know, or a one look kind of guy. Uh, if, if given the opportunity, which he absolutely will this coming season as a rookie and a, another guy who it's, it's going to be exciting to see where he goes. But Justin Fields, to me, has a lot of work to do. Uh, so do all these kids that are in this draft. But Justin Fields, given his, uh, you know, draft place right second third overall uh he's going to be under a microscope and he's going to have to you know grow up very fast you're not in college you can't just hang out and eat pizza and drink beer all day Uh, that's what i assume college kids do nowadays is drink beer and eat pizza but justin fields is going to have to have a a thick skin (laughs) early on and that's not always easy given the fact that you're everywhere everywhere you played as a kid in middle school high school and college you were it you were the man at, at quarterback all the adulation all the cheers all the high fives and then if he goes to uh you know san francisco uh he's going to have to learn pretty quick although that's not a horrible situation but i think you get the point here that i'm trying to make uh justin fields has a lot of work to do to me personally as all of these quarterbacks uh do but he's going to have to pick it up very quick and again he's going to have every opportunity to kind of work the kinks out on the go feet to the fire we drafted you and now you are our starting quarterback yeah and i actually really really like justin fields uh, i mean i've said it many times if i was turning in the card for my new york jets it would be justin fields but you know he does have some work to do, like you said, but that 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 athleticism, the the four the four four forty yard dash that you referenced, you know, at six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds, uh, that's definitely something that, that I gravitate towards. But like you said, there are some risks associated with going in that direction with Justin Fields. Uh, his draft process reminds me a little bit of uh, you know what Deshaun Watson's draft process. Yeah was like a few years ago. I don't know if you remember back in 2017, Deshaun Watson obviously, um, you know, was the top rated quarterback going into that class, ended up being the third quarterback taken behind Mitch Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and it just kind of always felt that it was so weird. Why would he, True. you know, drop so far as far as he did to number 12? But, uh, in, you know, my, my New York Jets passed on him at that time as well. But um, let's move on to another position that that's, gets a little um, gets a little polarizing. Uh, wh- who's your favorite wide receiver in, in this class? And I mean, if you, I'm going to 
if it's Jamar Chase, I, I don't want it to be Jamar Chase. But if it is Jamar Chase, you can say Jamar Chase, yeah. obviously. But then I'll ask you. Well, Jamar Chase is uh, he seems to you know, be everybody's favorite. Obviously, Chris, but uh, we right could now? talk uh, about him till the cows come home. But to me, uh, I really like Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Being uh, you know, being in Michigan and being a Big Ten guy, watching what Rondale Moore did in college and even his vertical jump was insane. Everything he did at his pro day was fantastic. And I am sure you know what I'm about to say, but the only knock on him was that he's small. Like he's not, you know, in the NFL or ice hockey, like six foot, six foot one can still be considered small. No, five foot seven is small, especially for a wide receiver. I kind of get that, uh, Tavon Austin, you know, vibe, not, not, I get the vibe, not from him personally or what I've been doing. I'm getting that vibe from other people. Like that's the collective, you know, agreement here that Rondell Moore is fantastic. He's going to be unbelievable in the slot, but he's tiny, right. And, and tiny, tiny kids like that, uh, they, they either do very well or they, or they flame out and do nothing. There's really been no in between, you know, kind of like Tate, uh, Tavon Austin or Percy Harvin, another one that comes to mind. You know, they find their niche, niche, however you put it, in the NFL, and that's what they do. And as you know, Percy Harvin was electric uh, in punt returns and, and kickoff returns and things along those lines. But to me, Rondale Moore uh, is going to step, whatever team drafts him, Rondale Moore is going to step in. And depending on the team, let's say he goes, just throwing this out there, let's say he goes to Arizona or he goes you know, anywhere else, he will be uh, right off the gate a wide receiver two on that team. He has the upside to be a team's wide receiver one you know, within reason. But one more guy, I'll just touch on him really quick. It's Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, this kid has been, you know, just climbing draft boards and in mocks and in IDP. But again, you kind of have to take what, what you see on social media and Twitter specifically with a grain of salt, because every week it's someone new people get kind of worn out by, you know, discussing this kid. And then they move on to the next guy, kind of like that, uh, that toy story, the movie, that theme where the kid is dropping Woody and it says, you know, I I'm done with you or I I'm done playing with you. I'm over you. So uh, social media, you know, excuse me, <laughs> fantasy football on social media is very, uh, you know, you got to ride the waves. There's really high highs and there's really low lows. But Terrence Marshall is a kid who, as I said, it has picked up steam and that's fine. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be uh, another kid who where, wherever he goes in terms of draft selection, he has the chance to be, you know, unbelievably good, not only for our fan or excuse me, fantasy teams and his real life teams. And one more guy, just in passing, I want to mention Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, another kid whose uh, older brother is in the NFL. He plays for the Green Bay Packers, yeah. had, you know, a really like one blow up game last season. And that was it uh, from him. But uh, I know that Amon St. Brown, Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, he 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 could be pushed around at the line of scrimmage, right? He's he kind of struggles and has trouble with like uh, you know bigger you know cornerbacks and safeties. And nowadays, your your prototypical safety is like Jamal Adams, six foot one, six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds, just a, a beefcake, and he he will struggle with that. But again, it's nothing that you can't uh, you know learn and, and get better at day to day, season to season. So uh, I'm not really worried about Amon St. Brown. Yeah, I absolutely love every single wide receiver that you just talked about. I mean, uh, starting with Rondell Moore, he's. I recently moved him to my wide receiver two uh, for these rookie wide receiver dynasty rankings. 
Um, you know, I just love his explosiveness. I love his ability after the catch, his ability, especially if you play in return yardage leagues. I think he's great for those formats as well because he'll start – He'll whatever team he walks on to, he'll be the – you know, whatever team he's drafted to, he'll be the starting uh, kick returner, punt returner. Um, and so, you know, definitely love love Rondell Moore. Terrace Marshall, definitely another guy that I'm really high on. I'm curious to see where he ends up um, because that could be huge for him. And then Amar Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Know, he, he's, he's somebody no, no. he just got it. He has a dog in him, and I really like having a dog in some of my receivers. Uh, and so you look at St. Brown, uh, what he does, you know, over the middle or after the catch or even – uh, and, you know, blocking as a receiver as well. So definitely. Uh, well, I was guys. going to add in, you know, Elijah Moore, Moore in terms of another uh, kid who I, I find fantastic. Uh, to me, it, it's I, I haven't really mm-hmm. talked much about him, but it's Kadarius Tony uh, from from Florida. Uh, he's an unbelievably talented and gifted athlete. Uh, and he kind of, you know, the the comp the comparisons to to him have been like Tyree Kill, like a, like a poor man's Tyree Kill, as they say. He had, uh, you know, he didn't play much. There's not, I believe he, did he opt out or he only played, he might have played in all three or four seasons, but he only had like one really good seat, one standout season. I think it was, you know, his last season here. Uh, there's very few examples of, what he can do, you know, well, and by say what he can do well, I'm not talking about running routes and, and catching passes. I'm saying, you know, how he can, you know, work and use all his, his skill set to kind of put it all together and to benefit himself and not only the NFL team. Again, there's, there's, it's hard to grade because there's not many examples of, you know, how he sees deep passes or, you know, AKA how he tracks uh, deep balls, but uh, he's got the chance to step in uh, again, like Rondell Moore to a, uh, a slot role. And he could in real, excuse me, realistically just absolutely gobble up targets and, and create after the catch. So that's his biggest strength is to get the ball. And what are you going to do with the yak, you know, yards after catch here, but uh, Kadavius Tony is a guy that, um, He's not on my radar in terms of someone I want to draft on my dynasty teams, but he is a guy that I'm going to. That, that's what the the watch that you know on our fantasy sites. You click watch, and it stays. You know the guys you do that, it stays in kind of a, a queue for yourself. So I won't be drafting Tony, but I will be watching him uh, very closely. Yeah, and he's a guy who I'm curious to watch when we get to the draft, because, you know, some people who uh, do actually cover the NFL draft, they think Tony is capable of being a first round pick, you know, first, second round pick. And, you know, I've done my work on Tony. I'm not as high on him as maybe some other people are. Um, It's starting to seem like (laughs) the thing is to be down on Tony uh, because that's what everybody seems to be doing. Uh, and, you know, it comes to the point where yes. the market eventually corrects itself, where now Tony's becoming a value, you know. Uh, so, it, it you know, it's it's tricky here. And I th- also think wide receiver is also one of those those things. I say it all the time, but I call it a flavor position. It's, you know, because you might like a certain type of receiver, Chris, but I, you know, I might like these smaller shifty guys or you might like these really tall linear guys. Um, or you might like a, a yards after the catch, or you maybe you like maybe I like a slot receiver, 
So it's really, you know, what kind of players Absolutely. do you like? And yeah, I'm glad you said that. People were high on him, and then the market corrected. Now people are down on him. It's just, as I said, it's the wave of social media. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have a week or like a four or five-day span where Kadavius Tony has talked about every minute of every day. That's just how it's been here. But given his ADP right now, uh, he's going to be someone we can grab in our drafts at uh, tremendous value. And he might even uh, be drafted on our fantasy teams and just be an absolute steal. If the production, you know, in the, in the first quarter of the season, the first four or five games, uh, if he starts to average, let's say seven or eight targets, maybe even 10 targets, or he averages five to six receptions a game. uh, And you, you were able to get him at the, you know, at the swing at the end of the second round, or even the middle of the second round, as you said, he carries the weight of a, of, a real life first round wide receiver, but it's just not, it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't translated, excuse me, to all the mock drafts we've seen now or all the websites that do ADP, uh, things along those lines. So for that fact, Kadavius Tony, as I said, not going to be a guy that I will draft, but again, if, if forced, if I'm put in that position where, you know, last pick of the second round or, or God willing, he's in the uh, still in the third in the beginning of the third round. I'd be forced to take him. Don't think he lasts that long, but uh, whoever you know grabs Kadavius Tony is kind of going to be a winner, yeah. like at a carnival game. You you sink the ping pong ball and and you get to take home a goldfish. And in this case, uh, you'll get to take home Kadavius Tony. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. So what about what oh, this about, one? Uh, it's that, not uh, even close to me. Uh, and uh, right as it stands now, it's all about Najee and Devon, or, yeah, or Javante Williams or Travis Etienne, things like that. I'm all in on Kenny Gainwell. Uh, Kenny Gainwell has the more that I see uh, of his past, you know, games and snaps, the more I like him. Uh, he could probably be uh, if if given the opportunity. He could be the best uh, running back in this class in terms of versatility, being able to carry the ball, you know, 15, maybe even 20 times a game, but then again, get, you know, eight, nine kind of targets as well. I mean, I know eight or nine targets is very generous or ambitious, but if anybody can do that in this draft, you know, in all respect to Travis Etienne, but to me, Kenny Gainwell, he has, you know, very uh, active feet. He can move laterally very well. You know what I mean? Jump cut. If, you know, the, the, the play is, you know, he's got to shoot down the a gap, but the, you know, the linebackers and defensive tackles stuffed it up. He has that lateral movement and to cut on a dime to take it up, you know, be, gap c gap or even on the outside uh if if need be but uh his running style and his receiving ability make him a, a juicy prospect to me personally uh for dynasty or excuse not yeah dynasty teams or, or full point ppr leagues and again uh he's going to be fine regardless i think but depending on what team draft drafts him uh it's going to be insane how many people will oh man i missed out on Gainwell, or i got him i'm so happy or or the people that you know I didn't draft him and now I'm screwed and now I have to kind of overpay to, to acquire him on my fantasy team. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell is a guy I like a lot. I mean, you look, like you said, that receiving ability, uh, you know, there was a, there were times I was watching a game and he was just mainly lined up as a slot receiver most of the time. Um, you know, but he's got that that dual threat ability, which at least you know 
he could step in in day one and be the third down back, even if he's not going to be the immediate uh, workhorse. Um, but he does yeah. have that ability as well, you know, uh, you know, over 200 pounds. So, so that's good there. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm – one of the guys I also really like a lot is, uh, is Michael Carter. Uh, well, he's – what I like about Javante Michael Williams. Carter is the uh, fact, what are your you know, thoughts he – He's behind Javante Williams. Everybody's looking Javante Williams way. Nobody's really paying, uh, you know, attention to uh, Michael Carter. It's the old, you know, Kansas City shuffle, if you heard of that, where uh, everybody is looking one way, and then in turn, we go the other way, the old switcheroo, uh, as they say. But he's another one who's a, a dynamic running back. He's a good, he would be a good kind of change of pace, you know, like a complimentary role. Uh, he is a smaller back, so he's not going to, you know, push piles or, or, or body slam, you know, cornerbacks like Derrick Henry does. But in his own right, uh, he can be, you know, very good uh, in terms of, in our fantasy teams, maybe one day or even this season, he, he'll be, make for a fantastic flex play or even d- depending on where he goes, I could see him being slotted in as your RB2, your RB3. As I said, he's a solid pass catcher, you know, out of the backfield. And uh, he's he always looks to be, you know, in the zone. And by that, I mean, he's always firing on all cylinders. There's when I've what I've seen, there's there's no wasted movement with this guy. He sees it and he goes for it. There's no dilly dallying. There's no running backwards to try and, you know, turn, you know, what's nothing into 30, 40 yards. So to me, Michael Carter is another kid who I will be um looking for early and often in my in my rookie drafts and again he could be acquired uh very easily you know in, in the late second round early third round in the, all the adps and in mocks that i've seen so again uh michael carter is a guy that you can you know safely you know draft one or two players in your rookie draft ahead of uh and then hope and pray that carter's there for you to be you know the third uh rookie that you drafted Yeah, Michael Carter is somebody, you know, I actually am, I'm really high on him, but, you know, I, I like everything you said about him. I, I, I don't disagree at all. Um, I just think if he ends up in a situation, um, you know, he, his skill set, and I don't want to hear, I don't want people to hear what I'm not saying, but his skill set yeah. reminds me of Alvin Kamara. I'm not saying they're the same player, or the same caliber. I just, saying the way Alvin Kamara is used in New York. Absolutely. Orleans, and again, uh, Alvin Kamara is one of the premier running backs, excuse me, in the, in the NFL. So to be compared to him and then, you know, kind of look it over and dig in a little bit, it's, it's fantastic. And again, you'll be able to acquire him, you know, with your second or third uh, draft selections in your rookie draft. Definitely. So, you know, it's a well, I now, guess so if I wanted to be, you know, if I wanted to be a follower uh, and, you know, and not come up with something on my own, it would have to be Travis Etienne, right? Uh, he, for some odd reason, he, he's kind of, you know, like the redheaded stepchild. People uh, aren't, aren't talking about him much until recently, but he should have, you know, the draft capital to, behind behind him to be, you know, like a top five, top 10, you know, dy- 2021 dynasty running back. And he has the talented to be, 
excuse me, he has the talent to seriously be, and, and don't laugh at me, don't kick me out of uh, the fantasy football business, but he has the talent to be one of the best running backs in the NFL, fairly, fairly easy, fairly, you know, quick on uh, at the start of the season and long-term. Uh, he's able to, uh, I think he would flourish in more of a, like a zone scheme where he's able to kind of wiggle and kind of improvise if need be, if the first, you know, uh, you know, initial look isn't there, but Travis Etienne to me, uh, I have this odd feeling that he might go to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, the Atlanta Falcons second round pick. I believe Atlanta uh, drafts early in the second round. And I could see a case where uh, Travis goes to Atlanta, you know, fourth, excuse me, not fourth, uh, early in the second round of the actual NFL draft to complement what Atlanta did with their, you know, fourth round pick, whether, or whether it be uh, Mac Jones, or Justin Fields, I don't know. But again, Travis Etienne will be a guy uh, who I probably won't have any shares of because of the price tag, and that's fine. I mean, I'm allowed to make that decision, you know, based on my fantasy team or, or how I play as the, the GM of my team. I'm allowed to do that. So uh, Travis Etienne to me is another guy who's going to be on my watch list. I have a ton of notes on, on these kids and, and I, how I want to, uh, you know, acquire him if I'm not. Am I going to pay attention and, and kind of watch him and swoop in to grab him when I can? And Travis Etienne is one of those kids. Yeah, man, Etienne is uh he's he's definitely a guy that I think, you know, people are a little down on. I I don't, I don't think you know some of the, um, you know some of some of the some of the metrics on him aren't as kind as they are to maybe some other running backs. But Etienne is somebody who I've I've always been a huge fan of uh, since his time at Clemson. I thought that he should have came out last year. Um, and I was really excited for that. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But ETN, um, you know, he he's somebody – I like what you said with the zone scheme. I think that that would be a huge, a great fit. One of the things I tweeted out, and as much as it would pain me to watch it in my real-life football, uh, but from a fantasy perspective, I think it would, you know, it would be a, a wonderful fit. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. That offense player. is already, just, for some reason, uh, I can't get that you know, dangerous and nasty. And to add a, a guy like him uh, to that offense with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, that would be uh, fantastic. Even Gabriel Davis, you know, that you, th- these, you know, wide receiver twos or wide receiver threes on your actual real life football team kind of make uh, make the you know, your offense go around. If Diggs is able, I, I won't bore you with that, but him uh, to Buffalo would be unbelievable. I believe if, if ETN gets drafted to Buffalo, he will then leapfrog most uh, most of the other running backs, kind of like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did last season. Nobody really uh, was high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It was, you know, okay, n- nothing's crazy. You know, not over. I, I would have, I'd rather have Clyde Edwards over Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. And now when you look at it, when Kansas City drafted him at the end of round one, he was he, he went to the moon in, in seconds after the draft, and everybody kind of put down Swift and, and Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor for that matter. And look, mm-hmm. CAH didn't get a – I, I don't want to say a ton of look, but uh, he wasn't getting 20, 25 carries a game kind of like Cam Akers was getting or, or kind of what we expect from DeAndre Swift and certainly from Jonathan Taylor here. So uh, I'll say it now, and I have no issue with it. If ETN goes to, to Buffalo, let's say, he will leapfrog every running back in this draft class. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that would be fair, right? We 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 like to to snag running backs and good offenses. I think that's why we gravitated towards Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year. Um, you know, unfortunately, Clyde didn't get all the opportunities, which is one of yes. the things that you need as a running back in order to really get fantasy points because you can't really get them if you're not getting the ball. So, um, you know, hopefully whatever situation ETN goes to or any of these running backs that we end up spending capital go to, hopefully they are able to sure. uh, to get the football and get these opportunities. So, Chris, before I let you go, one last question. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, really a part of me wants really to say no and kind of argue it just for just to play as advocates, you know, so people could, you know, uh, send me messages and, and DM me and, and say I'm awful. You know, so if I were to say Kyle Pitts is it's not really the real deal, he's no good. That would honestly, realistically, just be me, uh, you know, excuse me, it would be me looking for attention, right? People look this way and then you go that way and be contrarian on purpose just to deal with the criticisms or the, the, the clicks and the views that you get on your stuff here. But why would, why would anybody in their right uh, mind say Pitts, uh, you know, isn't uh, arguably the best player uh, in the draft class in terms of position. I mean, he's head and shoulders above the other, you know, tight ends in this draft class. And I could see Pitts uh, being better than a handful of these wide receivers and running backs in this draft class. I mean, he has, uh, wow, his hands are, are just phenomenal. Uh, he's, he's just got unnatural kind of ability uh, to burst and pull away uh, when he gets the ball in the open field. Uh, he fights like a madman. Talk about having a dog in you. Uh, Kyle Pitts is that guy. His landing spot is is going to be the test of uh, how how much of an impact will he have this season? Because as we know, we've seen you know tight ends don't predominantly do well their first year. They're learning, they're growing. It's it's kind it's more of the harder um, positions to pick up going from the college uh, to professional sports. But uh, he is the way he can shift his momentum and, and just burst when he needs it is it's unbelievable. It's special. It's unlike anything I've seen from a tight end, you know, in, in college uh, in a long time, if not ever, they just need to use him correctly wherever he goes. He's he, he blocks. Well, he'll pancake people. I mean, this kid's the, the total package. He's, he has all it takes and uh, everything it takes, excuse me. And I've seen some people go, um, you know, let's say just for the sake of this conversation, my Lions pick seventh overall. Let's say, you know, Jamar Chase is gone. Waddle might, might be gone. Who knows? Rondale Moore is gone. I, that would never happen. Jamar Chase is realistically the one to be, you know, selected before Pitts when we get to the Lions at seven. But if it's left, you know, to the Lions at seven, are we going to go offensive line? Are we going to go linebacker? We surely, we don't need a running back. But Pitts is staring us, boom, they're right in the face. Knowing that this team needs cornerbacks and defenses, you just can't uh, turn that down. I think the old saying is you never uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. So Pitts is there at seven. You have to take him. And everybody kind of, you know, puts him down or shuns that because he's a tight end. When we all know <laughs> that, you know, Kyle Pitts drafted to a team, he could step in and be your team's wide receiver, too, right off the bat as a tight end. Because we saw Travis Kelsey as a tight end was still if I'm not mistaken, uh, he, he had numbers to equate to a top 10, top 15 wide receiver. So why can't Pitt do that? Why can't a, a tight end like Pitts be compared to, you know, the top 10, top 20 wide receivers? Uh, I see no issue with that.
Yeah, man. Travis Kelsey was an absolute dog. Uh, I think he was the – he's a top three wide receiver. He was a top four running back. I think he was like the QB – the QB seven or eight. I don't know. Travis Kelsey was wild. I, I had actually checked all those for a show at, uh, right after the season. Um, but Kyle Pitts, you know, if you can get that positional value there with Kyle Pitts yeah. playing a tight end position, knowing how how uh, – you know, how shallow the position is as a whole across the league and getting a guy like Kyle Pitts, especially, and you know, this tight end class is relatively deep, but we all know tight end is one of those positions. It's a crapshoot anyway. We could really yeah. like a guy right now, but three years from or now, Irv Smith to be nothing, you know, Hayden I mean, Hurst, right. How, yeah. how well has that really, I mean, Ir- Irv, other guys Irv like Smith that? didn't, um, d- didn't, Excuse me, doesn't have the draft capital that Kyle Pitts is, and people weren't talking about. um, They weren't talking about him like he's the second coming, but uh, he is a guy who hasn't done much. They're not using him. They're not working him in. But people, uh, he he reminds me. He doesn't remind me of Kyle Pitts, but he reminds me of the situation uh, of Pitts right now. You know, potentially. You know, I believe Irv is twenty three. He's built. You know, like a wide receiver. Uh, he's thinner. He's tall and thin. Normally a tight end. You know, they're monsters. Six foot five, two hundred and. 50 pounds uh, and Irv Smith is kind of along the same lines, but it's just a, a something where they have Delvin cook, you know, they don't need uh, to use a tight end often. They feed him the ball and you're fine. And now they got Justin Jefferson and that's only going to hurt Irv Smith juniors touches, but it's kind of, you know, proves a point here where wherever Kyle Pitts goes, that's going to be very telling. And he's going to be, you know, unbelievably good. But depending on where he draft is drafted, he potentially could be, you know, un- outstanding, like on the moon good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I just did a – uh, super flex tight end premium mock. I thought Kyle Pitts would be the 101. I gladly took him at 103. <laughs> I have a, a league where I traded up for the 101 in, in a one quarterback league, and I'm definitely looking at Kyle Pitts, even though yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and everybody Kittle. else on earth is. So, so again, uh, there's not Kyle much uh, that me or you Kyle. could say at this moment in time, you know, April 8th at, at almost 10 o'clock Eastern. There's not much for us to say about Pitts that hasn't already been said, uh, you know, a hundred thousand times already. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, Chris, I don't want to take up any more of your time, man. Like you said, it's it's almost 10 o'clock Eastern. So I want to let you go. Um, But again, I, I do want to say thank you. I got. I kind of got you on a little bit last minute, even though we've been planning to do something like this for a while now. But again, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, now we all know that we can follow you at Detroit Beast. Sure, uh, every uh, morning, you know, now that you know hockey season is in full bloom, playoffs are almost coming up, and the baseball work. season just started. Every morning, without fail, no later than eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, uh, I put out my my NHL DFS graphic and I put out my MLB uh, DFS graphic uh, every day without fail. You can find that. Uh, DFS is probably uh, what I do best. It's what excites me the most. Uh, uh, the undrafted 
Droppables brought me on in their organization strictly to do uh, DFS. So you can always find you know anything you need to know about DFS. You're, anybody's more than welcome to message me, tag me. Uh, I, I've given my phone number away if anybody ever wants to call and talk. Something's bugging you. You got a DFS question. You have a, 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 tr- a dynasty trade question. Whatever you need, all you have to do is message me. I pride myself on replying to anybody and everybody uh, that reaches out to me. So uh, again, uh, John, don't mention it. Uh, I, I couldn't have had a, a better time here. And, and as I told you before we went live, uh, I, can, I always have time for you. I tell this part, portion to everybody, I, realistically, all I need is 10, 15 minute uh, heads up time if you're ever in a pinch. And uh, I'm going to extend that same courtesy to you. If you ever need me in a pinch, I'm here. Appreciate that, brother. Definitely. So, uh, so everybody, thank you for uh, Liz joining us tonight. And uh, make sure to follow Chris and his great work at Detroit Beastie. And make sure you follow us in the Fantasy Football Diagnostic Podcast. Have a good one, everybody.